Hi, and welcome to this wild card edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. With your hosts, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. The NFL playoffs have finally arrived. We're heading now firmly into the postseason. All the matchups are set. So, Shai, let's get right into it because it's game, game time. time. So, Shai... Let's start with the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Two teams that are really looking to end long playoff winless droughts. Raiders, I believe their last playoff win was when they won the Super Bowl way back in the early 2000s. And the Cincinnati Bengals haven't won a playoff game since the early 1990s. So both these teams really starving for a playoff victory. Obviously something's going to give... This game's in Cincinnati. Shy, what are kind of, before we pick this game, what are kind of your initial thoughts on these two teams? The Raiders just able to sneak in in Cincinnati, even though they even though they may have lost their last game of the year as they rested a bunch of the stars, really coming into the postseason on a strong note. Well, first of all, you know, it's my favorite weekend of the year. Super wild card weekend. I know you're excited. I'm excited. I know you want to get right to it, but I just wanted to say it's, been a great season and uh thank you duval all right <laughs> we'll we'll get to that later um but you should be i mean thank you duval but speaking of rares you really should be thinking rick Bisaccia. that you're absolutely right if if he does not get that head coaching job i will be amazed alex we were talking right before the podcast about him potentially being a coach of the year candidate he's not gonna win i think it's gonna come down between matt lafleur Mike Rabel, or potentially Zach Taylor. But if I were a voter, which, of course, I am unfortunately not, but if I were voting for this award, I think I have to go with Rich Passaccia. I think, look at what all he's gone through. I mean, taking over midseason, coming off the whole John Gruden debacle, having to deal with Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs, both getting into legal trouble and having to be cut. Remember, these guys were drafted in the first round the same year, just a couple years ago, they're supposed to be young building blocks, and a lot of these moves, whether it was Arnett or Ruggs or just some of these other moves, just haven't really worked out for the Las Vegas Raiders. I really tip my hat to Rich Bisaccia because it, I, I really think there's only a handful of coaches, head coaches around the league that could have done what Bisaccia has done with this team. And I think when you look at that last game of the year, the Raiders against the Chargers, in what what unit or what area are the Raiders a better team than the Chargers? I think you look at it talent-wise, the Chargers, in my mind, are just a way better team up and down the board. But yet, those pesky Raiders, who have been pesky all year, just kept fighting. They didn't They didn't kind of give in after they gave up the 15-point lead. And they're very deserving to be in this position. And I think you have to give all the credit in the world to what Bisacci has done. And I know the Raiders and Mark Davis might want Jim Harbaugh or a flashy name and I'm not saying that maybe they shouldn't even do a whole coaching search but I think Bisaccia at least coming into the process deserves this job as much as anyone else in the league I absolutely agree with you and you know you talk about it you're already kind of dealing with an uphill battle talent wise with with this Raiders team not many thought they would even be um were they were they four and one or three and one Alex at the beginning of this season they started three and oh and then I think they they lost one or two games, and that's that's really when the Gruden stuff came out. He had to be let go, and this team, they didn't waver at all. Yeah, so you're talking about an uphill battle talent-wise, 
And then with what seems like so many distractions, you mentioned Ruggs, Arnett, Gruden. It's really phenomenal when you couple all those things together that Basach has been able to take this team to a 10-7 and season with some really impressive wins. Talk about that Chargers game. I think that Colts game, I know, obviously, maybe in retrospect after their pathetic loss to Jacksonville, doesn't look as good, but they made a... That's still an impressive road right. victory. Because the Colts, Carson Wentz didn't practice much that week, which is true, but you look at coming into that game, the Colts were as hot a team as any coming into that matchup against the Raiders. And I really think that, yes, maybe in retrospect, we can laugh and say maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. But I really but it think... Was. Yeah. I, it was. But I think the Raiders, by winning that game, getting the comeback, last-second field goal against Indy, showed their grit. And also, I think, threw the Colts a little off their... You know, a little off their heels. Again, Colts really were coming in as the team no one wanted to play. Raiders go into their house and beat them. I think it may have shaken the Colts a little and potentially may have affected them heading into the Jacksonville game. I think you're absolutely right. And I think the Raiders have been playing with a chip on their shoulder really all season long. It's so easy to kind of, you know, fall out of things, let things fall by the wayside. But yeah, you mentioned the grit in this team of this team and the perseverance. That is that is truly impressive to kind of fight every game and get into this position with it, big-time it, wins. It really feels like that this team, the Las Vegas Raiders organization, has embodied what Basaccia stands for. It really feels like this is a team that has taken on the personality and mentality of their head coach. And when teams do that around the league, it's typically with some of the best coaches in the league, and those teams obvious, or are typically consistent and potent, especially come playoff time. You're absolutely right. So I think... That's a little bit of context on the Raiders. I think looking at them, you know, going to the jungle, Cincinnati, Paul Brown Stadium, the Bengals have also been one of the hotter teams in football. You know, they lost last week playing the Browns. It, with it was the Browns. They benched uh, benching Joe Burrow. Their players, was, exactly. Joe Burrow wasn't playing. A lot of their star players weren't playing. Could there be some rust having the week off? potentially, but I don't, I'm not taking too much into, oh, they lost to Cleveland as it getting in their oh, way. In absolutely coming not. Because, again, they had beaten the Chiefs. They had killed Baltimore. They were really one of the teams that was really rolling on all cylinders, firing in all cylinders as they were heading into the most crucial part of their season and now the postseason. Absolutely. They're a confident team offensively. Jamar Chase has seemingly gotten better and better every single week. Joe Burrow has been feeling himself, playing with a new type of confidence, and that defense has made timely, timely plays when they've needed to. And we've talked about all year how this Bengals team on that offensive line playing so much better than maybe their talent would suggest on paper, defensively, especially I think in the secondary, you know, you know, with guys like Chidobia Wuzie, Mike Hilton. Eli Apple. Eli has, Apple. You know, not always the most consistent guy, but he's made a play here and there that can really p- propel Cincy and help them, you know, kind of secure a win or change momentum. And then, you know, it seems like their password at times has just been Trey Hendrickson, but it's that's also been, worked. That's been plenty. Hendrickson, in my mind, has been maybe the most underrated pass rusher. He hasn't been Miles Garrett. He hasn't been Nick Bosa. He hasn't been TJ Water, even Robert Quinn. But when you look at it, the guys I mentioned, 
I think those are about the only guys ahead of him in sacks. And you look at the Bengals across their defensive line don't have that potent second guy. I think when you look at both the interior and that other outside rush position. So this is really Trey Hendrickson. Offenses, opponents are scheming for him. They're trying to game plan around him, and yet he's still making an impact week in and week out, which just goes to show you that last season with New Orleans wasn't a fluke, and he's really blossomed into one of the better pass rusher pass rushers we have we have in today's game. I think you're absolutely right. They like to line him in, line him up inside, draw double teams out outside where he can win one on one matchups. He's been so versatile for them. I think when you look at how these teams stack up against each other. It kind of feels like the Bengals are a little bit more younger, a little bit hungrier. Hungry, yeah, I, I definitely get that sense too. And I think a big reason why is number nine. Whether he has the name on the back of the jersey or it gets ripped off, it's Joe Burrow. And a lot of times, come playoff time, you want to lean on experience. You want to lean on guys who are seasoned vets, have done it before. But I don't think that falls in line with Burrow because in all the big games, whether it was the matchups against their rivals and the Steelers and Ravens or their big game against the Chiefs to lock up the division, Burrow plays his best football in the biggest moments. And I think that really dates back to college. He's always had that it factor. And we saw it at LSU. Big games against teams like Georgia in the college football Championship. Uh, he went. Uh, he faced Trevor Lawrence, who was at that point like the golden prospect, and he outdoed Lawrence by a wide margin. Burrow has that it factor, that confidence factor, that he knows I'm going to step up. This is my time to shine, and I believe the way he's played, he's shown that it can transfer to the NFL. He will play his best football when the mat when the moment matters the most. And you're going up against a Vegas defense that I like Max Crosby. And some of these pass rushers have developed. A guy like Yanni Kingakwe, And they've been able to get pressure. But the secondary is very suspect. The secondary has a lot of holes in it. And since we obviously know that they have three bona fide wide receivers. Both on the outside. And obviously Boyd can line up in the slot as well. I just think, like, I'm I'm picking the Bengals in this game. It's in Cincinnati, and Joe Burrow just has that killer in- instinct, which you I think that's why he's drawn a lot of comparisons in terms of, men- of a mentality to a guy like Tom Brady because he does have that X factor, that killer instinct, that my I will play my best football when when the lights shine brightest. And he's even though maybe he hasn't shown that in the NFL playoffs, He's shown it throughout his collegiate career, and he's shown it in some big games in the NFL regular season, and I expect that to continue for at least the wild card round. I think... I love Joe Burrow. I think he is a killer. I think he's phenomenal. He's shown he can play in the big moments. And I think that's kind of... You know, he's clearly confident. He's feeling himself. And it's almost, you know... I seems like Derek Carr is a perfect foil to him. You know, he's within, he plays within himself. He's calm. You know, this season he hasn't tried to do too much. He's made the big throws. I think he's been the most underrated quarterback in all of football this year, Alex. I've been saying it for years. I think he's universally underrated, and I think you really have to feel good for him. I think, remember, a few years ago, 
Raiders. They had one of their better seasons in recent memory. Derek Carr was playing incredible football. And then in week 16, he breaks his ankle. Obviously can't play in the playoffs. They go one and done. And it really seemed like that was the year Carr turned the corner, was going to be a great quarterback for years to come, and finally get his chance in the postseason. And obviously a horrendous injury. I feel like it took him a while to firmly get back to where he was during that season. So I really feel good for a guy like Derek Carr. As you said, he is underrated, and he finally gets his time to shine when the lights are brightest. He finally gets that postseason atmosphere to play in, which, again, he's never had that opportunity. I think this is going to be the best game of Wild Card Weekend. And I think you kind of know where I'm going with this, Alex. But, yeah, it's not because I'm a Steelers fan. I believe in the Raiders. I believe in the Raiders to go into Paul Brown Stadium, Cincinnati, against one of the hottest teams in the league, and I expect them to get it done. This is going to be a higher-scoring affair. We know both teams plenty capable of, of putting up points. And you mentioned, you know, Playoff football is different. It absolutely is. And Derek Carr hasn't had a ton of opportunity to have that success either. But I think that experience, that cool, calm collectedness in those moments could fare better against maybe the confidence, I don't want to say hot-headedness of Burrow, but I think when you look at that experience of of Basaccia and Carr you know, even though he's an interim head coach, he has, I think, more experience. He's been around longer than Zach Taylor and this young, you know, Bengals offense, young, really young Bengals team. And I think, you know, that experience stretches at least on the Raiders' favor, at least defensively as well. Casey Hayward, Desmond Trufant, older corners playing good football. I know they let up a lot of points to Justin Herbert, but that's Justin Herbert. When they needed him most, it seemed like Hayward and Trufant were making some plays down the stretch. And Crosby's been great for them. I like the Raiders' experience. I think their defense has played better lately. I'm, I'm, I'm riding with them. I'm riding that moxie that, to go into to, to the jungle, Paul Brown Stadium, and get this win. My question to you is, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, since he rested their starters last week, Yes, it was almost like a bye week because they're playing just one week later. Do you think maybe early on there is some rust that factors into it? Maybe not for Joe Burrow, but for some of these other starters on the Cincinnati Bengals that maybe they do get off to a slower start in the first quarter and they're playing catch-up, which we know they are more than capable of doing. But do you think there might be a rust factor early on in this game with Cincy resting so many of their guys in Vegas, obviously, needing to win or tie uh, last Sunday night. They, obviously, a lot of pressure. They were used to playing in a win-or-go-home game. I think it absolutely will make a difference. And I think you're talking about a Cincy team that's aggressive, a Cincy team that's confident. And when you mix, you know, not playing for a week, maybe some rust, some nerves with a certain confidence, sometimes it can bode well. But sometimes, especially with inexperience, it can go poorly, and I think we might see some of those struggles early in this game, Alex. And, you know, the Bengals have shown the ability to come back against big-time teams like Kansas City. But playoff football, that atmosphere is a little bit different, and it can feel a little bit harder to do so. Uh, again, I'm going to the Bengals. I'm a big Derek Carr fan. I think he's very underrated. I just look at—I think this is going to be a tight game. I think it's going to come down probably to the fourth quarter— 
And I just love the killer instinct and it factor. I know I said it many times now that Joe Burrow possesses. And I just think I want the ball. I, I want Joe Burrow to have the ball in his hands in a close game late. Because I think, yes, it's only his second year in the NFL. Really, his first full season because he tore his ACL last year. But Joe Burrow, again, he just has that X factor that you just can't explain. That that mentality, that killer mentality that, okay, it's a tie game or we're losing late. Get the ball in my hands. I will will us to victory. I will propel us to victory. And I just think against a defense that has its bright spots but isn't always the most consistent, I just think Joe Burrow is going to show up, show out, and will the Bengals to their first playoff win in many, many, many years. Something's got to get them. One of these teams are going to end their long playoff winless droughts or win droughts. You're right, Alex. It's hard. It, it took me a long time to come to the decision. I think the Raiders defense is going to have trouble with Jamar Chase in this one. But I just, I can't, you know, I have a hunch. I, I know that experience matters so much in the, in the postseason. I just think, like, how much experience do the Raiders have? I mean, they're not going against, it's not like they're going to, the Bengals are going against the Chiefs or the Steelers. It's, let's not talk about the Raiders like this very experienced playoff team. I think you're talking about a, a lot of veterans. I think you're talking about... But at the same time, the postseason's a whole different animal. I think that's true, and I think that, that when, you, when you talk about a younger team, a, a team that's confident, and if you're trying to, you know, force things in, the, in, 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 in these playoffs, you know, a team that has guys that have, have been around the league more are going to have less nerves in that situation. I think that's going to ultimately help Vegas. We can go back and forth on this all day. It, but disagreement, especially when it comes to the postseason, it's always fun. It is. It's always fun to have kind of these friendly debates, especially with, obviously, this, you know, playoffs are here. The crowd is now much smaller with us down to just 14 teams remaining. I'm going with Cincy to break their curse. You're going with Vegas to get their first win since winning the Super Bowl. Oh, you know, again, early 2000s. It's been a minute for both of these teams since they got that last playoff victory. So let's now go to, it might be the wild card round, but we do have a divisional matchup. The New England Patriots taking on the Buffalo Bills Part 3. Now this game's in Buffalo where the Bills lost to the Patriots when these two teams played each other in Buffalo earlier in the regular season. Bills, though, rebounded, got a win against the Patriots in New England, went into their house and won. Assuming this isn't a blizzard, like the last time these two teams played together in Buffalo, I think I'm going to take the Bills. I think you look at how Mac Jones has played over these last few weeks, I think there's a lot to like with Mac Jones. I think in a lot of cases, you do have to be impressed with what you've seen. He is a rookie. He has His decision-making has improved. He's shown improvement in a lot of areas. But as we've seen kind of down the stretch, he's not a... I was talking about how I believe in Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter. If this game is coming down late to the fourth quarter and New England needs a drive, how much do you trust Mac Jones that's a huge question of mine heading into the playoffs. I think, I think it's a phenomenal question. You look, you look at these these weeks where the Patriots have really performed well, and yeah, Matt Jones has had some success. He's made a lot of big time throws in play action, 
But a lot of that is because their run game has been so, so good. That offensive line has been moving people. Um, you know, David Damian, uh, Damian Harris has been great. You know, Ramondre Stevenson has struggled with some injuries lately as well. Even but- Brandon Bowen's been solid, though, even as a receiving back. I guess my, my concern is the Titans destroyed the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. I think it was like 34-3. to And then the Dolphins beat the Patriots a week ago. Now, I know New England's always had their struggles against Miami, but a lot of times it's like it's an off game. They'll have Tom Brady for the playoffs. You believe in Brady. With Mac Jones at the helm, there's not that confidence that New England will eventually turn it around because they don't have that veteran presence at the quarterback position who's proved people wrong for over you know, fifteen, twenty years. Mac Jones just isn't that guy. You're right. He hasn't you know, that's not what the Patriots have needed him to be this year, and that's not the role he's accustomed to. I think that's a phenomenal phenomenal point. So in these big time moments, you know, if the Bills are able to stack the box, stop the run, and make Mac Jones make throws into man coverage can he do it? I think, you know, if we're talking about Tom Brady, you're right. We're thinking no problem. And I think we're going to, I think if Tom Brady's a quarterback, quarterback in the Patriots, we're probably both picking the Patriots easily in this game, Alex, I would assume. There's, I, um, there's a good chance this game might be in New England if Brady was still at, you know, playing right. quarterback for I'm the just New talking Patriots. hypothetical. I think you, you see them, you know, the Patriots really, you know, beat the snot out of Jacksonville. You know, that's a game they need to have after, you know, st- you know, struggling a little bit. They lost a game to Indianapolis, and that's kind of where it seemed like they they kind of were really cooling down for one of the hotter teams in the league. And, yeah, this loss to Miami means more because it's all about, you know, we keep saying this, old mo, a momentum. And in these moments, you have a rookie quarterback you have a game, yeah, you really win big against a bad team, and then you come back into division rival, you know, when you need a game, still have a chance to win the division, you know, if you beat Miami, obviously, things didn't, wouldn't have gone their way, because, you know, Buffalo got the win uh, against the Jets, but when you need those games, Matt Jones hasn't shown consistently that he can make those throws. I think you look at the Bills, Josh Allen, uh, they have a lot more upside. I think it's going to come out in this game. They have more upside, but I think there is a concern with the physicality of this Buffalo team. I feel like when you play in a place like Buffalo, with how much it snows and how the weather uh, kind of transforms come December, January, like we're in now, you need to be a physical team. And I'm not saying that uh, it's still a pass-happy league, you still need to be a successful passing team, and I think the Bills are, but for the Patriots ran all over them last time these two teams played each other in Buffalo. When they played the Colts, Jonathan Taylor had a career day. Indianapolis, who struggled to run against Jacksonville, ran all over Buffalo. So I think, as I said, I think the Bills come up, come on, Come off this game on top. I think they advance. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills to win this game. But there is a physicality concern of mine with the Bills when you play in a place like Buffalo in upstate New York, especially with, you know, East Coast. Gotten quite a bit of snow these last couple weeks. And again, with how 
where Buffalo's located, I would expect snow to potentially continue to fall, especially as we get closer and closer to game time. So if it is windy, if it is snowy, although I might still lean Buffalo, it might come down to a game to see who who can run the ball better. And Buffalo, maybe they've ran the ball better late. Bet you know they've been doing a better job lately in that department, but they've still struggled against the run and to be a consistently good team on the ground. So there definitely is a physicality element that concerns me about the Bills. I think they're going to be able to get by because I think Mac Jones will have to throw the ball more than three times. Just to, get, <laughs> just to guess of mine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say he has to throw the ball four or more times in this game. But again, I think if the weather is bad, I think even though the Bills are the home team, I think that, might fa- I think that favors New England with the style of play that these two teams kind of come into this game with. I think you're absolutely right. You have, you know, uh, real justification to be concerned about the physicality of the Bills. And I think they've shown us they can do it, but not consistently. You know, these past they, couple they weeks... Almost, they do it because they have to. They do it because other teams are kind of almost playing a modified prevent defense where they're saying, you're not having these huge chunk plays. We're daring you to run the ball. And, right, and it works... But then it's can they do it consistently, and then can they still can they generate big chunk plays on the ground, and then also can they stop the run on defense? Right. I mean, those two things have been concerning. Both going back to that New England game, New England has a shot to pull off an upset here, and yeah, right, Buffalo has you know shown they can do this against you know meager competition. They have you know Atlanta, New York, the Jets. I think the Patriots are a different animal. Patriots are a different animal. And that's led by, yeah, we talk about no Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is still there. And Belichick's going to have the Patriots as ready as ever. Again, I have my concerns about Mac Jones, but Josh McDaniels, he's going to have Jones ready. And I think Jones is going to understand his role coming into this game. Don't turn the ball over. Don't Try not to do too much. Stay in your lane. Do what you're asked of. And I think the Patriots are always the best at coaching these players to do these things. And then the players doing them, you know, when the clock starts. When the clock starts and it's game time in between the white lines, Patriots are incredible at each player doing their job. I think Buffalo is just more talented than the Patriots. It's impressive that the Patriots are at this point, especially when we kind of thought this could be a rebuilding season for them. But I just think that talent ultimately will win out. But I do think does Buffalo, especially if the weather's unfavorable for them, kind of get a little out of sorts? Will the Patriots kind of maintain their composure, have success at the line of scrimmage in the trenches, and potentially pull off the upset? I think that's definitely a possibility. I just I'm just gonna lean towards Buffalo because again, you have to love what Josh Allen's done. They also too have a very good coaching staff. And I do think they're ta- at this point it's close, but I think talent will ultimately win out in this scenario. I'm I'm right there with you in complete agreement, Alex. Josh Allen, we know he can make the throws. I think weather will have a big impact on this game, as do you. If it snows, I think that in- significantly increases the Patriots' chances uh, at uh, at the uh, at winning this game, even though it is in Buffalo. But I still think you know the talent of this team. The, again, I'll keep saying it: the experience at quarterback. Uh, from Josh Allen, he's won the play- some playoff games in his career. Mac Jones, yeah, 
he's 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 won a college football championship, not the same as NFL playoff football. We'll see if he can have a, the same killer instinct as your man Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. So we're we're both going with the Bills, but we think weather could play a huge factor to see if the Patriots can come in to their division rival home and pull off the upset. So shy. Let's now, we talked about Tom Brady with the Patriots. Let's now move to his new team where he currently is playing, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. These two teams played each other back in week four, I believe. I believe it was week four. And it was a close game. I believe it was 28-22. to 22. It was a close game. It was well fought out. Patriots kind of got a or not Patriots, Buccaneers got a good, uh, Multi-touchdown lead early, Philly came back, and it was a competitive game, and it came down to the end, and I think this game, Philly's finally found their identity, and it kind of puzzled me early on why they weren't running the ball so much, because the strength of this team was always their run game, and their really strong offensive line up front. I think that's how Philly will have a chance at this, if they can recreate you know, some of those dynamic plays in the run game. You know, try and see, will Miles Sanders have it this week? Will he be able to come back and, and, and still bring that juice that he was able to give them against teams like the Washington football team just a couple weeks ago? Those are some big questions. I think Jalen Hurts is going to play a significant part of that if he can make the defense respect his legs on the ground. But... He also will have to make throws. Look at 88. You talked about him last week, Dallas Goddard. He'll need to have a big impact on this game. B. Hertz's security blanket because that Tampa Bay pass rush will get after him. And Hertz is going to need a place to throw the ball and get it out quickly. I think this game really leans in Tampa's favor. And, you know, maybe they weren't the same run defense they were last year. And I think it's a lot of it when you fa- they've been facing really good passing offenses. They, I remember against Buffalo, they're, obviously they knew how much Buffalo loved to throw the ball. So they kind of let them run on them. But I think knowing, knowing Philly's identity and knowing the way Philadelphia, knowing how Nick Sirianni and this Eagles team wins games and how it's on the ground, it's pounding the rock, it's running it not just with Miles Sanders, but with Jalen Hurts, with Boston Scott even and Jordan Howard. I think Tampa is really going to sell out to stop the run where they don't need to send the extra guy necessarily to do so because they are so talented up front. They can stop the run without sending the extra man. And then you look at Devin White and Levante David. One-on-one against Goddard, it's probably a mismatch. But if you put both of them on Goddard or you put one of the linebackers and one of the corners on Goddard, you can limit him. And I think Jalen Hurts is going to have to make plays, obviously with his legs, but as you said, with his arm on a consistent basis. We're talking Mac Jones. We're talking Joe Burrow. Got young quarterbacks who are making their playoff debuts. And I said, Burrow I trust with the game on the line. Jones I'm iffy on. And Hurts, my biggest question with Hurts is, will he be able to... Improvise and make up for if Tampa takes what they do best away. Because I think the Bucks are really going to, again, still have to stop the run and take what Philly does best away. 
And I think, I'm not saying they're going to have complete 100% success doing that, but I think they'll really be able to limit Philly in the running game. And then that falls on Hertz's with his best asset gone, that being the running game, whether it's him or one of his running backs, can he make up for that? Can he capture the moment, put the game, can Nick Shirani put the game in his hands, and can Jalen Hurts come through? And again, when the other side of the ball is anchored by Tom Brady and Mike Evans and that great offensive line as well, it's tough for me to see Jalen Hurts be consistent enough passer to generate big play after big play, get his team in the end zone, especially when their number, again, that number one asset, the number one way they love to move the ball will maybe not completely be taken away, but at least severely limited. So that's why we are talking about experience. The Bucks just won the Super Bowl a year ago. Tom Brady has more Super Bowl wins than any franchise. Gronk's been to his fair share with New England and with Tampa. I don't think it gets. I don't think there's any more. It, no team is more experienced than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're absolutely right, and you said it before too. This game leans heavily in their favor. They are in every facet of this game more talented than Philadelphia, and. Honestly, I don't think I trust Jalen Hurts to have the ball in his hands to win this game when it matters most. And on the other side, it's kind of how is this Eagles defense going to stop Tom Brady? They're going to have to throw a lot of different looks at him. And it seems like the one weakness is this Bucks offense can get impatient. They can, you know, similar like the Chiefs are in the season, they can kind of have that risk it for the biscuit mentality and just want to take shots downfield. And then all of a sudden, you're constantly in third and long situations. And you're putting yourself behind the chains. And that's when a defense can pin their ears back. You've let them dictate to you how the game's going to go. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No. I think Tom Brady, you know, will pick apart a zone defense. I think he will be patient. But if you can get after him with four, if you can throw different looks at him make him make some harder decisions, you're going to have a chance. We've seen, you know, the, again, led by Doug Peterson, but an Eagles team, an Eagles team has done this to Tom Brady in the past. Well, I think that's where I point out in my concerns. We're talking about, do we trust Jalen Hurts with the game on the line? Do we trust Nick Sirianni being the head coach, the like, really play caller, play designer? Do we trust Nick, not Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator? But do we trust Nick Sirianni, the head coach, with the game on the line? Because Bruce Arians, I think, has his flaws. I don't think he's the best coach. I think he definitely benefits from his coordinators and Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, and obviously the amount of talent that Tampa Bay has. But he still has experience. He's been through this. He's won a Super Bowl. He did it with Indianapolis. He didn't win a Super Bowl with Indianapolis. But remember, he took over for Chuck Pagano. They had a successful season. He had a lot of success in Arizona. He's been in these games plenty of times before. As a head coach, Nick Sirianni has not. And as much as we might want to say we don't trust Jalen Hurts or can Jalen Hurts get it done, I have questions of can Nick Sirianni get it done when the lights are bright. That's a that's a big concern of mine as we head into this game. I'm less concerned about Nick Sirianni and the game plan for the Eagles but I if, think but if Tampa throws off their game plan, how well can he adjust on the fly? How well 
can he keep his composure knowing if we don't win this game, we're going home? I think the fact that the Eagles are in this position shows so much of Sirianni's ability. At the, you know how many? Oh, and I'll leave, you know how many teams the Eagles beat who are in the postseason? I would go with none. That is none, and I think the only team they beat that finished with a winning record was the New Orleans Saints. So there can there are concerns of you know, can Philly beat a team that is equal to them or better than them? Because we haven't seen it this year. I think that's fair. But I think even if Nick Sirianni, even if they're able to formulate a, a great plan, I think you're still dealing with Tom Brady and you're dealing with the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I think even if you have everything right on the coaching side, it's not going to matter. I think if the Bucks are performing and they execute the way that they have been for the majority of this season, I don't really see how the Eagles even with things going right for them in the coaching department and every facet of that department, are going to win this game. I have Tampa Bay taking care of business at home. And I do, I do too. A fun matchup I do want to point out before we move on, Darius Slay has really been a resurgence for this Eagles team. Trade for him a couple years ago from Detroit really wasn't the guy they thought they were getting last year. He's been great this year. Him against Mike Evans will be a really fun matchup to watch and a major one because Tampa no longer has Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown. So they're relying on Mike Evans a lot more than they once thought coming into the postseason. You're absolutely right. That'll be great to watch. I agree Sly has been phenomenal and the spark, you could argue, for this Eagles defense. So, Shaw, you mentioned earlier you thought Raiders-Bengals was the best game of the week. Now we're going to go to the game that I personally think is the best game of the week. The San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. This is a coin flip. I mostly just want to flip a coin, and whoever, you know, whether it's heads or tails, that's the team I pick. I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys, question mark? <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Maybe it's just because I'm relying on something that just hasn't been there much, and that's their talent. I feel like... When the offense has been great, the defense has been suspect. And when the defense has been great, the offense has has been suspect. Other than when they were facing an Eagles team that really rested all their starters, that was really the first time it all came together. But this Cowboys team, they really haven't lived up to their talent in terms of consistency and each unit playing, you know, A-plus football together, uh, putting a whole game together of consistent A-plus football from the offense and defense. Again, when the offense plays well, the defense is an a- it plays average below expectations to their talent level and vice versa. So I think I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. It's at home, and I think it's going to be a really close game. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo gets a lot of unnecessary heat, maybe because he isn't the greatest quarterback. I still think he's a above average, more than serviceable quarterback that is capable of winning these games, as we saw a couple years ago. You have to love what Debo Samuel is, or has been, and has really transformed into one of the best receivers in the NFL. But I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the edge to the Cowboys because I think this game does come down to the wire. And I know he, he hasn't really shown it a ton, but I do right now would give the edge to Dak Prescott in a close game over Jimmy G. Yeah, I agree with almost everything you said. I'm a little bit more confident than you are on the Cowboys. Um, 
I like the Niners. I really, really I do. Really, I, their running game is really fun to watch. It's been, it's been really, it's been great to watch. I think you know, watching Debo Samuel has been phenomenal. The ways they get involved, Brandon Ayuk's coming along for them, and obviously you have eighty-five George Kittle and the physicality he brings to this football team is really hands down second to none. What I'm worried about here, Alex, is how is this Niners defense going to handle the Cowboys offense? And not only the fact that the Cowboys offensive line is more or less intact, it's healthy. They're getting Tyrone, they're getting Tyron Smith back. It's, but I agree, it's that, I mean, they have Nick Bosa, and Nick Bosa against Tyron Smith, I actually think I give the edge to Bosa there. I think when you look at Tyron Smith, not the same guy he once was. He's, I believe, coming off the COVID list, so we don't know in terms of energy and how well he'll play right off the bat. We don't know how well or how much he'll look like himself. But that Niner secondary has really struggled this season. Great play by Ambry Thomas at the end to seal a playoff spot. Again, you know, when they he picked off Matthew Stafford. But I'm right with you. This Niners secondary is really suspect. I think something they need to address in the offseason and something where when you have CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and yes, Cedric Wilson, who's been a bona fide number. He's been their number three, and he they really have not missed a beat without Michael Gallup because of how well Wilson has played. In fact, in some cases, it almost looks like Dak has been on the same page with Wilson more than he has with Amari Cooper. Yeah, and I think Dak is, has made plays. Uh, I think earlier in Dak's career, he would get a little bit, you know, you'd get nervous. I think, you, you, I think that's how it, how it would be. And I think he would force throws, and I think he would try to do too much. And I think this season, you have seen a real development. And I think part of that's because the offensive line has played better. They haven't always been healthy, but they've played much better this year. And when Dak Prescott has the time to throw, he makes accurate passes down the field. And I don't think, as you said, this Niner secondary can handle Amari Cooper. You said Cedric Wilson's in the great, or CeeDee Lamb in the back end. And I think Tyron Smith will do enough to limit Bosa. And I think they will double-team him. And at this current moment... No one else on that Niners defensive line is scaring me with one-on-one matchups against this Cowboys offensive line right now. Right, I think you look at the other side of the ball, I think Trent Williams will hold his own, whether it's against Parsons, Marcus Lawrence, or really whoever lines up on that left side. The problem is Dallas has three bona fide edge rushers in Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and Randy Gregory, who's had a phenomenal year. He's been great. And even a guy like Osei uh, Odigizua on the interior. They have some guys who can rush the passer on the interior. You look in the middle of the defense, Michael Parsons might play there as well. Leighton Vander Esch. And then obviously a playmaker in Trayvon Diggs. Cowboys really set defensively as well. I think that's right. I, I think the Cowboys have a little bit more utility, um, especially... In the secondary, I know they haven't always played great, but Trayvon Diggs is still a number one corner. Um, Xavier, he's, he's been inconsistent, but he does, as I said, he's very opportunistic and a real playmaker on the back end for Dallas. Right, and you've you've seen you know 
guys like Keanu Neal really step up at safety. Um, Anthony Brown at corner two. Who's had his struggles, and I think they're. I think that's a matchup San Francisco, whether it's with Ayuk, whether it's with Debo Samuel. I think that's going to be a matchup that San Francisco is really going to try to exploit. Right. I think he's played well enough at times, but it is, it is not there. He hasn't been uh, always their strength, I think, so far this season. I'm I'm liking Dallas. I just I like this matchup. I like Prescott against that defense, that secondary in particular, and I think that's what it comes down to, to me. A and T can be a tough place to play in Dallas. Those fans are going to come out big for the Cowboys making their playoff return. I'm going with the Cowboys as well. I do think though, you know what you're getting with the 49ers, and they're going to be they're a dynamic run team incredible off-play action, getting the ball out, dishing the ball out to their playmakers in George Kittle, in Brandon Ayuk, into the Swiss Army knife that is Debo Samuel. So I think the Niners are going to come out. I really, I think they're going to have a really solid game. I And it's possible the Cowboys come out flat in this one, but I just like Dallas's ceiling in this one more than San Francisco. And right now that's why I give Dallas the slight edge because I do think it comes out in the fourth quarter. And right now, fourth quarter... As much as I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is underrated, and that was an incredible, <clears throat> an incredible performance against the Rams in the fourth quarter last week, I give the edge to Dak Prescott. So now we're going to the Sunday night in prime time. Kansas City, not the one seed, but the two seed Kansas City Chiefs, will host the Pittsburgh Steelers' Ben Roethlisberger in his last hurrah, his last dance. It wasn't last week against Baltimore. He will get one last shot at it in the postseason, Alex, playing the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been the conference champion twice now. What say you? Do the Steelers have a shot at this? Is there, are, are, they're li- we know they're living on a prayer. There's a reason I thank Duvall before you know this podcast started. And, you know, I'm sorry, Chargers fans. I admit the Steelers shouldn't be here. But... What are you expecting them? What are you expecting this game? Is this going to be another? I don't think it's going to be thirty to nothing at which it was one point the last time these two teams play each other, and it's the playoffs. We've seen anything can happen. I don't. Nothing is set in stone come the postseason. And Roethlisberger, as you mentioned, his career lives to fight another day and another game and another week. I do think though. You know, obviously the Chiefs, I think they might give them a bit of a rude send-off. I do think the Chiefs come out on top in this one. You just look at where do the Steelers have a distinct advantage? Where are they... What's that matchup that they're going to be able to exploit? I guess maybe Deontay Johnson against... Number 90, Alex. Definitely TJ Watt. And that's definitely something that if you're the Chiefs, you're you're game-planning for, you're scared of. But you look at... The Chiefs have their own pass rushers. I love what Chris Jones has done since they moved him back into the interior. And then Melvin Ingram, the former Pittsburgh Steelers, looking for revenge. I think he's going to have a big game wanting revenge. I like the Chiefs in this one. I like the Chiefs as well. I'm, I'm not that much of a homer. I think Pittsburgh will find ways to keep this close. I think, although they shouldn't be here, I think the fact that that same attitude, you know, Ben Roethlisberger came out and said today that they don't have a chance. And it's still a little bit unclear whether he is being 
you know, a little bit ironic, a little bit jokey or not, kind of that's the attitude in the locker room. Just put it all out there because, you know, the reality is Pittsburgh I has think he not... was being a little facetious. Like, I don't, no, think, I, think he, I don't think he was like, yeah, we have no chance. Why are we even playing? Like, I think he was kind of joking because I think that's what a lot of people in the media, a lot of fans are saying. So I think he was kind of just jokingly playing along with that narrative. Right. I think that's, prob- uh, that's probably some of it as well. I think that attitude, the fact, like, we shouldn't be here, you know, they could more or less leave it all out there because they have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And Kansas City, they've won this conference twice. They've won the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes has been phenomenal. This team is more talented. You said it. What's the matchup that Pittsburgh is going to win? And I think that kind of can fuel the Steelers, can fuel Mike Tomlin to keep this game close. I think this is going to be an instance where maybe, you know, they're battling and in the fourth quarter, Kansas City pulls away and maybe the Steelers offense doesn't have that juice to go with them. And I think the way Pittsburgh keeps us close is TJ Watt has to wreck the game in some facets. And I, th- I think they need someone else really on that defensive line to step up. I mean, I don't think they're going to do the Brown strategy and leave them one-on-one all game with a rookie or a younger player. I think well, can Chiefs, that be Cam Hayward, Alex? It potentially can. I think they, they're going to chip Watt, try to as much to disrupt him. I'm not saying they're going to completely neutralize Watt. He's going to get his pressures, potentially his sacks as well. But I do think whether it's Cam Hayward, someone in the secondary. Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith. They're going to need someone defensively, I think, to step up, make that play. Because I think in all these big games, especially in upsets, it's always like the unlikely hero. Who makes the play, makes the game-changing play. And I know, I think T.J. Watt, again, he's going to get his. But I think someone else from the Steelers, if they really want to have a chance to win this game, they're going to need to step up in this offense. They're, I think they need to be aggressive. On They're going to need to be aggressive. I think I'm typically someone who's probably more conservative when it comes to going forward and forth down. But when you don't have that necessary firepower offensively and you are going up against Patrick Mahomes, if it's fourth and one at midfield... Fits fourth and two, maybe on the outs of field goal range. I think you might need to be aggressive and go for it. I think that's right. I think the, the two more things I would say. Pittsburgh, defensively, they're going to have to throw a ton of looks at Mahomes and hope that they can get pressed with four. They can't come out in the same coverage. And with that being said, if they do play man, which at some point they will probably have to, be forced to, Look for that unsung hero if it happens, if there is that hero on the Steelers' defense to be Terrell Edmonds. He neutralized Mark Andrews last week and has been tasked with matching up against tight ends in man coverage. That's a key matchup to watch. I, Obviously, I don't, I don't think they're going to leave him on an island against Travis Kelsey. I'd be very surprised. I would be surprised that. too, but I do think you'll see that matchup some um, in this game. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to have to let seven rip it. And you could have five picks like it was last year against the Browns, or you could have that second-half resurgence where you know he pulls them back in that game. Obviously, they did lose that one, but I think that's what you have to do. It's his last dance. Ride that wave, as Mike Tomlin was saying. Yeah, so we're both going with the Chiefs, and for Roethlisberger to finally ride off into the sunset playing his last game in the NFL. So, shy final game now. Another part three division matchup. The Los Angeles Rams hosting the Arizona Cardinals. 
Rams, I think you got to be a little concerned. They lost to the 49ers at home. They barely, barely escaped a depleted Baltimore Ravens team just two weeks ago. And you look at Matthew Stafford, he's hit a bit of a skid here as we reach the postseason. Right, he absolutely has. He looks like he's lost some of that confidence, some of that swagger he had at the beginning of the season. And I'm not really sure what it is. Sometimes it seems like this offensive line lets him down, or sometimes he's just trying to make throws that aren't there. And from a veteran quarterback who's been there, uh, who, who's you know been around, not a ton of playoff experience, that's a little bit concerning if you're the Rams. Honestly, I still like them a fair amount more than the Cardinals. I think the Rams' defense will be able to really, you know, have a little bit of a day against Arizona. That offense has not been anything, you know, really close to explosive since DeAndre Hopkins left the fold. And it's been missing some... They've had had, you know, spurts of this, you know, high-powered chunk plays, but it hasn't been as consistent as you were saying. And again... It's not that the Cardinals have all this experience on their team either. J.J. Watt, obviously, is one of those guys who has a lot of postseason experience dating back to when he was uh, with Houston. Chandler Jones has some experience as well. But especially in the offensive side of the ball, Kyler Murray, there is a lack of an experience. He, hasn't, he has not been playing his best football either. And no. you always want to be playing your best football as you enter January, as you enter the playoffs. And these are two quarterbacks that are not. So then I kind of go to the rest of the team. And the Rams are a pretty good playoff team with Jared Goff, who isn't as good of a quarterback as Matthew Stafford is. And I think the Rams are going to make life difficult on Kyler Murray. I think Aaron Donald is going to... The Cardinals are really going to struggle to limit him from the inside. And I think Jalen Ramsey, now it's... And now, Ramsey can really roam around. Maybe they put him on A.J. Green. Maybe they put him on Christian Kirk. But there's just a lot of things that you can do when you look at the chess match with this Rams defense, knowing we don't we don't have to worry about that number one alpha receiver with DeAndre Hawkins out. I think I think that's absolutely right. The I think there's kind of a struggle with confidence in this team. Both of these teams lack confidence. Uh, well, that's where I would probably describe. I think the Cardinals as a team lack confidence. Maybe Stafford's lacking a little confidence. But I think overall the Rams are still fairly confident. I think, yeah. Okay. I would revise that a little bit to say that I think... I think they're a lot more confident than the Cardinals are. I think that could be true. I think especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think that is what separates these teams. I think the Rams' defense will be able to make the necessary stops, be able to fluster Kyler Murray and make him run for his life. Kind of like what they were able to do last time when these two teams played in Arizona not too long ago. You're, you're exactly right. And the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, as you said, it's going to allow the Rams to be more flexible. And there's no, you know, there's no Debo Samuel. There's no... And Ayuk to worry about even. And not, yeah, not even Ayuk. So I like Christian Kirk. I think he is underrated, but I don't think he's winning a one on one with Jalen Ramsey. I don't think he has that. He's a, a stretch the field guy, but in terms of his finesse as a route runner, I, I don't think he can really fool uh, Jalen Ramsey. And Cliff Kingsbury, Cardinals offense, is going to have to be really creative 
game planning for this Rams secondary, who now adds Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle coming out of retirement and will be playing for the Los Angeles Rams. But I think it's going to be, I think they're going to really make life difficult on Kyler Murray. Cardinals did beat the Rams earlier in the season. But I do think Arizona struggles with consistency in this game, especially with a guy like Kyler Murray. First playoff appearance, first big games under the lights. I I agree. I'm I'm gonna take the Rams at home. I think the fact that this is in uh, the Coliseum makes a, a good amount of difference. Uh, it seems like the Cardinals, you know, that yes, they did get their road win against Dallas, um, and I think that was definitely a, a confidence booster. At the same time, and losing to Seattle and allowing Seattle to put up thirty eight points on them. Definitely take some of that. Which I called, by the way. Definitely take I called the Seattle Did you upset. think Seattle would put up 38? I thought it would be relatively more, you know, high scoring. Think, and you think about it, if Arizona had won that game, this game would actually be in Arizona, and they would have actually won the division. That That is right. And I, I, I think this is going to be a physical game, a tough matchup between two division opponents. And also, I think the Rams are genuinely a more physical team than the Cardinals. The Cardinals have kind of gotten away from running the ball recently in their kind of stint of, uh, of, of you know, in their kind of losing streak-ish. Um, and I think the Rams are, you were talking about flexibility from a defensive and a secondary perspective. I just think in terms of ways each team can win in the playoffs, I think there's probably two or three ways the Rams can win this game or the Rams can squeak out a postseason win. For the Cardinals... If Kyler Murray doesn't play up to how he was playing early in the year, it's really tough to see Arizona coming through. Yep. I think we're both, we're both going we're with both the Rams. We're both going with Los Angeles Rams. You both think they come through in advance. Although for the Rams, you make you trade multiple first-round picks for Matthew Stafford. Getting here wasn't the goal. Getting here was almost a foregone conclusion, and it would have been a huge disappointment if you didn't make the playoffs. This team, as they kind of come to the postseason with all the assets they gave up, both financially and in terms of draft picks, this is one of the few Super Bowl or bust teams, and I think Les Snead knows that. I think Sean McVay knows that. And I think even Matthew Stafford, even though he hasn't had those expectations with Detroit, I think he knows that coming to L.A. I, I, I certainly think that's right. So, Alex, you're going with the whole, the you know, the higher seed, the home team sweep here. I am, I am. I do think it's close, though, with Dallas and San Francisco. Okay. That's definitely something I've, I've struggled with every day. I mean, going back and forth. I, th- I think that's fair. I'm right there with you, except I am going with the Raiders um, over the Cincinnati Bengals. Do you, you want to revise your pick? Do you want to you take the Niners? You still have a little bit of time I'll, left. I'll, I'll go with Dallas, although things might change by the time they kick off Sunday. So I'll, I'll stick with Dallas. I'll, I'll go with my gut, I guess, although my gut is uh, turning, you know, switching sides every minute, I feel like. So that's going to do it for this wild card edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next week for what is known as the best weekend in football. See you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.